Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the seas becoming his blood as we pick up in Revelation chapter 16, verse 3. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. During those years where we have what is known as the red tide, the plankton as it multiplies, that it gives the, the water a reddish hue. And of course, the plankton take the oxygen out of the water and it's quite deadly to uh, the fish as the oxygen within the water is depleted by the red tide. It makes, of course, spectacular viewing. Whenever we have a red tide, I love to go down to the beach at night and watch the surf because it looks like neon tubes. Uh, When the surf breaks, uh, the plankton, which has a lot of phosphorus in it, as the, the wave rolls, the phosphorus lights up, and it looks just like neon tubes lighting up in the ocean. And it's, it's spectacular to watch, but it's horrible to swim in. Uh, I, the surfing, you know, is bad in a red tide. And it just, the, the water tastes horrible if you happen to get a swallow of it. And it's just not, your eyes really burn when you get water in your eyes in that red tide, but oh, how beautiful at night. And so uh, it could be a a massive red tide depleting the water of the oxygen, causing those souls within the sea to die. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became as blood. So not only will the ocean be turned as blood, but also now the rivers and fountains of water, as did happen in Egypt, and the water became undrinkable. So when this happens on a worldwide scale, imagine what this is going to do to man when suddenly all of your fresh water supplies are polluted. They're about half polluted now. But in this particular plague, the water supply is being polluted. It's going to be devastating for man. And as the waters are turned to blood and made undrinkable, I heard the angel of the waters say, now later on we're going to have an angel standing in the sun Here's an angel that God has put over the charge of the fresh waters. Interesting, these angels. They're going to be interesting persons to meet. I'm sort of anxious to meet the angel that God has given charge over me, to watch over me. The Bible says, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, to bear thee up at any time lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so it's going to be interesting to meet the angel that's been watching out over me. I want to know what happened to him on a few occasions. (laughs) Sleeping on the job or something. (laughs) But that's all that. I forgive him. I want him to know before I get there that (laughs) I don't hold anything against him. (laughs) But it'll be fun to meet him. Now here's an angel that God has put in charge of the waters. And the angel of the waters 
declares, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because you have judged thus. It just sort of right on, God. What a perfect judgment. You know, one thing about God is that his judgments are right. And here is the declaration of the righteousness of God's judgment. And all the way through this whole period of judgment, we find the voices that are declaring the righteousness of God's judgment. It is interesting that though through heaven there comes the continual testimony of the righteousness of God's judgment, this is the thing that many people are concerned about and worried about is will God be fair? Would it be fair for God to condemn forever a man who never had the opportunity of knowing Jesus Christ? Would it be fair for God to condemn forever a baby who died without ever having known or heard or being able to make a decision, etc., 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 on infinitum? Whatever God does will be absolutely fair. God will not be unfair. He'll not be unjust. You don't have to worry about that. And here as God turns the fresh water into blood, the angel says, righteous God. Man, that's right on. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and now you've given them blood to drink. They deserve it. I mean, it's righteous, Lord. I mean, they've shed so much blood. What a righteous judgment. They like blood so much, give them to drink, you know. Righteous. And I heard another angel out of the altar say, Amen, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And so the affirm affirmation during the period of judgment of the righteousness of God's judgments. Abraham, when the Lord announced to him that he was going to destroy the cities of God, Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, shall not the Lord of the earth be just? You know, shouldn't God be fair? What if there are 50 righteous people in that city? Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Shouldn't God be fair? The Lord said, if there are 50 righteous, we'll spare the city. Hmm. But what if there are 40 righteous? 40 righteous will spare. What if there are 30? For 30, I'll spare. What if there are 20? What if there are 10? The Lord said, if there are 10 righteous persons, we'll spare it for the 10. The angels got to the city of Sodom and found one righteous man. And so what did they do? They led him out and they said, hurry, get out of here. We can't destroy this thing until you're out. God is righteous. God is fair. The judgments of God are righteous and true. You can count on that. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. 
and they blasphemed the name of God. Uh, a lot of times we have the concept that if God would only send his judgment, that people would turn from their wickedness. That is generally not the case. When God sends his judgment, the righteous who have turned from their righteousness turn back to God. And, and we do read in the Old Testament where the judgments of God caused the righteous to turn to the Lord. But the judgments of God so often just harden the heart of the impenitent. And such is the case during the great judgment period. Rather than turning these people to the Lord, they blaspheme God. These Preachers who think that their sermons on hellfire and judgment and brimstone and all are going to turn people to the Lord are really not that versed in the Scripture. For the Scripture said, Know ye not that it is the goodness of God that bringeth a man to repentance. That's the thing that really gets me. I know what I deserve. You don't have to tell me but to tell me that God loves me and is willing to forgive me, willing to pardon me, willing to make me his child and to share his eternal kingdom with me, that's the thing that gets me and causes me to turn my heart and life to God and to change. The goodness of God leads a man to repentance. And so as God's judgments fall, and as the sun is now scorching men. Now again, how this is accomplished is a matter of speculation. We know that the sun shall be darkened before the day of the Lord comes. Moon turned his blood and the sun into darkness. It could be before the sun goes into darkness, it could be that the sun goes into a supernova condition. And we, uh, this is a phenomenon that we have observed in the universe. As stars that go into this supernova condition where they heat up for a few days and increase in their intensity and light as though they're sort of burning out and then they seem to just sort of die out the death of the stars, the supernova condition. Sort of like a light bulb. When the glass is broken, suddenly it'll go very bright because the oxygen is now hitting those filaments. But because of the extreme brightness and the oxygen hitting the filaments, the filaments get so hot, then they burn in two and the thing goes out. And so the stars, though it's a different principle, the supernova, we don't know actually what causes supernovas yet. They come extremely brilliant, and then they, they apparently have burned out or something. But the supernova condition, it could be the sun will turn it, come into a supernova condition. And imagine what that would do to the people on the earth. If the sun became as a supernova, we do know there's going to be a dimming effect and the sun will shine but for a third part and so forth during a part of the tribulation. So this could be supernova. It could be that what is happening during these seven last plagues, 
this could be that there is a major nuclear holocaust upon the earth. That Russia and the United States and everybody else lets go all of their nuclear weapons. And we know one of the effects of the nuclear weapons being detonated in our atmosphere is the destruction of the ozone blanket, which has already been depleted by all of the fluorocarbon gases that were used to pressurize the different shaving creams and so forth that we used to have in pressurized cans. And these fluorocarbon gases went on up into the stratosphere combined with the uh, ozone gases, which is uh, a very unstable gas at best. And as they combined with the ozone, broke it down. And so the prohibition against the fluorocarbons in pressurized cans. But we know also that uh, the atom bombs have the same effect to this ozone blanket, which is a protective blanket which does shield us from much of the ultraviolet rays of the sun. And that seems to be the purpose for God putting the ozone blanket there, to protect the earth from the sun's ultraviolet rays. For the exposure to these ultraviolet rays causes running sores. It causes noisome pestilences, really, if you're exposed to ultraviolet rays. It creates uh, burns, skin cancer. So maybe what we have here is a nuclear holocaust. And uh, these are the effects that will happen as the result of a nuclear holocaust. God knows what man's folly will bring to pass as far as natural calamities. It is interesting that God predicted in Isaiah 19 the building of the Aswan Dam. Not only did he predict the building of the Aswan Dam, but he also said all of the ecological damage that would result from the building of that dam. The destruction of the fishing industry, the loss of farmland and crops and so forth, and, and the ecological problems that would result from building the Aswan Dam. And he said, you know, that the, the counselors the, were, were fools because they didn't take into account the ecological damage. Actually, there's been talk of, of blowing up the dam to cure the ecological damage that they've created by the building of the dam. They have, of course, lost the fishing industry completely that used to be a great fishing industry around the mouth of the Mediterranean because all of the debris brought by the Nile River fed the fish. With the dam now, all of this uh, nutrients in our, uh, are not brought along the Nile River anymore into the Mediterranean. As a result of the dam, they, they do not have any longer the, the silt buildup. So you're getting the saltwater intrusion into all of that rich delta farmland that used to exist 
there at the mouth of the Nile where it came into the Mediterranean. Now, because you see, tons of sand would be brought by the Nile River every year on into uh, the Mediterranean, and it formed this beautiful delta of farmland and all, but that's not happening anymore. In fact, you're starting to get saltwater intrusion, and they have lost more acreage, agricultural acreage, than they have gained by their ability now to irrigate with the water, but they've lost more acreage than they've gained. And they've lost the richest kind of acreage. And so God knows the damage that will take place, and it could be that the Lord here is describing the damage that will result from a massive nuclear holocaust. Men were scorched with the great heat and blasphemed the name of God which had power over these plagues and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And so even as God brought darkness upon Egypt, so God brings darkness upon the kingdom of the beast. And again, this could indicate a supernova condition of the sun where it becomes extremely bright uh, for a few days and then becomes dark. And they blaspheme the God of heaven, men continuing to blaspheme God because of their pain and their sores, and they repented not of their deeds. So the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the waters thereof were dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So God is going to gather together the nations into the area of Israel from the valley of Megiddo to Edom. And so God dries up now the river Euphrates to prepare the way for the kings of the east, China, and all of her vast hordes of people, India, Pakistan, Japan, moving in from the east. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, demons, that come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Interesting thing here. Those who have seemed to have had an out-of-body experience where their spirits have left their bodies and they were presumed dead, those that have had these out-of-body experiences and had this conscious out-of-body state in which they looked back into the room and saw their bodies and saw the activities that were going on in the room, but they were out of their body observing it. It is interesting that for the most part, these who have had these out-of-body type experiences are aware that as their spirit left their body, it left their body through their mouth. Interesting, when you go back in the Old Testament and you read that God breathed into man and he became a living spirit. And those that have these out-of-body experiences will usually testify of their awareness that their spirit left 
through their mouth, and when their spirit came back, it came back in through their mouths. And it's quite, it's, it's most common among those who have had the out-of-body experiences to express it as the spirit going forth out of their mouth. Now, the interesting thing is that these spirits, these demonic spirits, go forth out of the mouths. It is also interesting that when Jesus cast out many of the demons, there were the loud screamings from the mouths of the individuals as the demons departed. And so, uh, (laughs) I don't think it'd do any good to keep your mouth shut But it's just an interesting observation that out of the mouth of the Antichrist and his false prophet, and out of Satan, out of their mouth go these spirits like frogs, demonic spirits. They are spirits of devils, we are told, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Revelation 16 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. May you be filled with that love. May you overflow with that love as you reach out to those around you who are less fortunate. God be with you, and may he use you as his instrument to show his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because the Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heitzig. 
But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus. Hi, Peter. Raul Reese. See, it's really Jesus. Yeah. Cheryl Broderson. The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.